Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good weekend to you food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is a place for people who love to eat and have a passion for cooking. So I hope you'll tune in every weekend. I'll keep you updated on the food scene. We'll take deep explorations of a broad range of culinary topics. And you should stay tuned because you just might learn something. We're celebrating food and wine, so set your culinary sights higher and allow me to inspire you. This is a full hour of fabulous food. And if you are a Yellowstone fan, you know the TV series, well, then don't touch your dial because Gator is here. (laughs) He was the set chef turned on-air TV talent and so beloved by fans. There is a Yellowstone cookbook, did you know? And it's stupendous. Gator Gilbo is coming up. But first... Allow me to mention that I'd love you to become a friend and a fan. My daily and often gluttonous posts on social media at Chef Jamie Gwen, I hope will make you hungry. I'm always serving up seconds as well at chefjamie.com. And if you happen to have missed a show, you'll find my podcasts on Apple Music, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc. But let's get this party started, shall we? I always start the show, as I have for 20-plus privileged and blessed years here on the radio, with a tutorial of sorts to make you the best cook you know. And if you thought that you loved store-bought bacon, then you should just wait until you make it yourself. It is not a difficult culinary task, and I appreciate an email I received. You can always dish with me, jamie at chefjamie.com, from John, asking about, about rather making better bacon. It's really not challenging. It's reasonably inexpensive. And what diehard foodie wouldn't love the bragging rights to making their own bacon, right? Most commercial bacon in the United States is smoked. Uh, Bacon and many of its cured meat cousins, as I call them in other countries, are cured but not smoked. But with bacon, the smoking step is more about adding flavor than it is about preserving the meat. So smoked or unsmoked, that's up to you. Most commercial bacon contains nitrites, which are sold to the home cook in a blend called curing salt, and it preserves the color of the layers of the meat in the bacon and other preserved meats as well. It also helps to eliminate bacteria, and in very small amounts, it is safe to consume. You can actually choose to leave it out, but you get a rather gray color, like as if you were to cook a steak without a sear. The recipe that I use to make bacon, and by the way, if you don't intend on uh, attempting bacon, I have really good bacon knowledge coming up. So just grab a snack and settle in. Uh, You could consider adding your favorite flavors to bacon, which is one of my most beloved things about this very basic standard, rather, recipe. You can add a vanilla bean. You could use pomegranate molasses in place of the traditional. Uh, But the guarantee from me to you is that if you love bacon, you will love even more homemade bacon. You want to plan and shop for your ingredients well in advance. You might need to special order from your local butcher or your grocery store. 
And you should be able to find curing salt, which is often called Instacure number one, uh, whether locally or from an online retailer or Amazon for that matter. Now, once the bacon is ready to eat, it is easiest to slice the bacon when it's partially frozen. So keep that in mind. And you need a very sharp knife. But you start with pork belly, a good quantity of it. You pat it dry until the surface is tacky. You trim off any thin edges, right? Because you want one long rectangle. You can always save the excess pieces for roasting and serving with goat cheese grits because that's just the best of the best. And in a large rectangular baking pan or a high-sided cookie sheet, you're going to mix sugar, molasses, and salt, with curing salt and a copious amount of good quality freshly ground pepper. And you're going to rub this mixture into the meat and spread it evenly along the sides, the top and the bottom. And you're going to tuck this pork belly that has been essentially dry rubbed into a sealable plastic bag. And you're going to lay it in the refrigerator for seven days. And every day you're going to massage the liquids that amass through the bag and you're going to flip it daily. Now, after seven days, you inspect your bacon and it will be firm to the touch all over, like um, touching a fully cooked steak. And that will be your sign it's been cured. If it's still spongy or soft in spots, then you'll add some additional salt and check it again the next day. Now, once the bacon is fully cured, you will rinse the meat well, discard any liquids, pat it dry. And the next step is if you so choose to smoke. Now you could just use the cured bacon at that point to cook and eat. And if you're looking for suggestions as to how to best cook bacon, there are about 10 million of them. Just ask a chef. You can cook it in a saute pan on top of the stove. You can fry it on the flat top, of course. But my best method for cooking bacon is between two cookie sheets. That's one cookie sheet, parchment paper, slices of bacon, single layer, and another slice of parchment or a sheet of parchment and a cookie sheet. Why? Because you get flat bacon. It gets super crispy and you contain all the grease, but up to you. If you do choose to smoke at this point, you're going to smoke the meat fat side up on your smoker or your gas grill. I use um, applewood chips as my first choice, hickory chips as my second. And it takes about three hours on a smoker. And you need to reach an internal temperature of 150 degrees. Now, you've made bacon. Brilliant. To store it, you could store it in large slabs. You could pre-cut chunk it, right? If you want to make uh, lots of pots of beans, you can layer slices in between parchment paper and freeze them. And then of course there is the beauty of bacon and that is what's left over. Now I know you're laughing because you're thinking like, we don't have leftover bacon in my house. You know, it's funny. We don't have leftover wine in my house either, but I don't mean the bacon. Once you've cooked your portion of bacon for that day, after cooking that bacon, you do not, and I repeat, do not throw out the leftover bacon grease. Do you? Please don't. That rendered fat is liquid gold and it can be used to season everything from beans to greens to rice to vegetables to make warm salad dressings. The list goes on. And by the way, the list will go on. So just wait one minute. (laughs) I am going to admit to you, 
I have always been a bacon grease saver. I think it's from my time um, coming up in the culinary world and the privilege I had working for Emeril Lagasse uh, because bacon is a superhero in his world too. And we never threw away bacon grease. It is an amazing flavor booster. You do need to clean it first or filter it. So because, and let me take a step back, if you leave the little bits of meat or fat in the grease, it tends to go rancid more quickly. I put a fine mesh strainer over a measuring cup and you can line with cheesecloth or a coffee filter if you like. And I strain the grease uh, once it's cooled, by the way, the bacon fat. And I pour it into a mason jar. I don't recommend you store it in a can like your grandmother did and keep it on the back of the stove. I like a mason jar with a tight sealing lid and I store it in the refrigerator. In the fridge, I keep adding to it, by the way. The bacon grease will last about four months. In the freezer, it will last indefinitely. And what do you use that great smoky fat for, you ask? Well, let me tell you. Popping the best popcorn ever. That's right. Bacon popcorn? I mean, come on. Who's going to turn that down? How about frying burgers in a pan? That's actually a brilliant way to add flavor to a burger. Uh, I use my bacon grease when I'm making biscuits, when I'm making hash browns in cornbread to fry eggs. I make croutons with it. So good. When I don't have bacon or pancetta as the base of a soup or beans, I add bacon grease to start the recipe. Oh, and there are is so much more. Please tell a friend because bacon grease is a terrible thing to waste, don't you think? Coming up, he is a real-life chef, he is the set caterer for Paramount Network's Yellowstone, and he is a new TV god, a fan favorite character on the show. That's right, he is Gabriel Gator Gilbo, and he's coming up next... We're sharing the official Dutton Ranch family cookbook. And wait till you hear how many pigs this man has roasted. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio sharing the best culinary conversation. Be right back. or rather whiskey, and it's divine, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Are you a Yellowstone fan? Well, I certainly am, and who doesn't love Gator? He's the real-life chef and the set caterer for Paramount Network's Yellowstone, and certainly a fan-favorite character on the show, and he's sharing his hearty and delicious recipes from the Dutton Ranch, like his perfectly smoked pulled pork and his authentic gumbo and his flawlessly fluffy biscuits in Yellowstone, the official Dutton Ranch family cookbook, which compiles over 55 recipes inspired by and featured in TV's number one series, Yellowstone. And the gentleman responsible for all of it is Gabriel, we call him Gator, Gilbo. He's a proud Cajun with gobs of TV experience who is celebrated for incorporating 
bringing his ancestral heritage into delicious, comforting recipes served to cast and crew with a good side of humor and some fun stories. And I welcome you, Gator. Happy New Year. Congrats. The book is stupendous. Well, Jamie, thanks for having me. What a <laughs> lovely uh, introduction. I appreciate that. Well, I think well-deserved. Um, I am a crazy fanatic fan. You should know that. And I loved, aside from the food photography in the book, which makes you want to lick the page, uh, the, the photos and the stories that sort of recap Yellowstone for those of us, like the entire universe, that love the show are just extraordinary to page through. Um, but your stories and the backstory of how this whole thing came to be, your real-life role feeding the crew behind the scenes, morphed into a pretty big TV gig. So tell us the backstory, please. Well, I've, uh, I've been cooking Cajun cuisine. Uh, I've been surrounded by Cajun cuisine uh, for a long time in my life. Since I was uh, very young, around seven years old, I really started to uh, visit South Louisiana a lot. I'm not from there. I'm from Southern California, um, which, of course, you are as well. Um, and, but when I was around seven, I'd start to spend my summers in South Louisiana and mm. um, really, you know, I got to go to Couchon de Lays, I got to go to crawfish boils and barbecues and Love it. we'd make gumbo and mokshu and etouffee and all my family members were excellent cooks Right. Um, and I really got a, a deep understanding and appreciation of what my people's food is actually supposed to be and yeah. I think that's incredibly important um, in any cultural cuisine to to have it right, or else you can't make it right. I I agree with and, you. They call you Gator, but they call your dad Cajun, right? They did call my dad Cajun <laughs> because he 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 moved out to California and ended up uh, landing a job on a movie set with the craft service guy. And um, after a short time, you know, they realized that he had some un untapped skills that they weren't using and he started to cook on movie sets amazing um, which was unheard of at the time sure for a craft service person to make food other than order from subway or whatever they had in the 90s right know? yeah or put, and, put uh, out rice crispy treats yeah, yeah. or you know <laughs> whatever you know starbucks pa- was really popular back then of course packaged crackers but, uh, yeah yeah and um so they would call around and they would say, hey, we're looking for the, that Cajun guy. Oh, and uh, that was how they would try to find him because, you know, Hollywood, um, there's, there's a lot of us here and, you know, a lot of people's names are forgetful. We forget people's names <laughs> all the time. That's true. So, um, and it's a, a long-term motto in Hollywood, all you have is your name. So right. um, it worked out so well <laughs> for him that people just called him Cajun and he just eventually would introduce, hey, I'm Cajun. Yeah. And then people, uh, you know, he, that, was, that was in 1992 he got into business. And I, I, you still hear stories, legends of him. Ama- so, amazing. Um, and how did they come to call you Gator? Is, is this a scary uh, story? No. no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I grew up in uh, San Fernando Valley, uh, Southern California. Yeah. And uh, I was just not... I was not a California kid. I wasn't a city boy. I, I was always country, and I was always a coon ass, whether I could help it or not. And um, so 
so I went to, I was in a high school, and people caught on to that I was a little different, but yeah. I was I was not unpopular, I was very popular, but uh, they started calling me Gator Gabe. Gator Gabe. Uh, because I would tell all these stories <laughs> of being in South Louisiana and going alligator hunting and eating alligator and, you know, fishing and swimming in the swamp with snakes and yep. the you should have seen the looks on their faces when I said I swam in the water with alligators. Right, because they're eating a sandwich. They're eating a sandwich, (laughs) and you're talking about alligator. I will tell you, Gator, I cooked rattlesnake once. It came... delicious. It's delicious. I know it tastes like chicken, but it's true. It comes in a... It tastes like the... The real grizzly parts of a fried chicken. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's <laughs> it's yummy, but it's daunting. It comes in a coil, right? It came in frozen. Uh-huh. It and comes I, in a coil. <laughs> I thought, what am I going to do with this? And by the way, I am a city girl, not a country girl. So you can only yeah. imagine. I did not acquire a nickname from it, but kudos to you for all the um, glorious things you <laughs> you have ventured to cook. Uh, that you, that's, and that's how you know you grew up. Just on the other side of the track from where I grew up. <laughs> That's right. We were talking about that, how you and I grew up nearby. <laughs> my, my, garden, my gardener would kill rattlesnakes out of the yard, and then he'd bring them in and he'd cook them for us. <laughs> okay, so you, yeah, you lived a little deeper in the valley than me. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I love, I love that the story of your dad who, you know, really reinvented what the term for craft service back in the day was. And by the way, it is a tremendous feat to feed a crew on a TV set. And I I don't know, unless you're on that set, do you realize the, uh, just the, the scope of what that takes and to please all of those palettes. Your father was a trailblazer and your story is so similar in that you were feeding the crew and then all of a sudden landed on TV, right? Well, we want a chef to stand in that dining room. That dining room is gorgeous, by the way, with the wood table mm-hmm. is beautiful. And to see you come out of that door from the kitchen uh, and to present something on the table, or I remember Cornish game hens and uh, the buttermilk dressing on salad when everybody had to have salad at the table, even rip, right? And those those components, those aspects of Yellowstone have become woven into what is so brilliant and famous about the show is everybody at the table. And you are at the heart of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, there's a couple unsung characters in Yellowstone. And uh, one of the main characters is Montana. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's where that's where the story really builds off of everything. Yeah. Um, and then another character in the story is the house is mm. the is the Yellowstone Lodge, which in real life we is called the Chief Joseph uh, Ranch, mm-hmm. and that's a huge part of it. And of course, the dining room plays a huge part in the house. Okay, we'll take a quick pause when we come back more with the Gator and Yellowstone, the official Dutton Ranch family cookbook. Three-time New York Times bestseller. you got to see it. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away.
We're back and we're dishing with Gabriel Gator Gilbo, the real life chef and set caterer for Yellowstone, everyone's favorite television show, sharing hearty, delicious recipes straight from the Dutton Ranch. Tell us about the real and the fake. Um, so we have uh, a lot of the interior scenes that we'll do in all in all movies and television, and of course on Yellowstone, we 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 still abide by some of the old rules of. Uh, movie magic. Yes. So we'll have uh, the interior of our dining room is often shot in a soundstage hmm. and not actually at the house in Darby, Montana. Interesting. And do you some have a... It, yeah. Some of it is, but it, it's it's a scheduling thing. It depends on where we are and what, what the weather is, what we have time for. Um, unlike like the biscuit scene, where I uh, show everybody how to make an epic biscuit, um, <laughs> that is in the real house, in yes. the real... In the real Chief Joseph, in the kitchen, uh, with some of my nearest and dearest friends right behind the camera. How very cool. Very special day. Uh, Let's talk about, as you call them, and I quote, this is how you make an effing biscuit. Uh, Your your best secrets. That is a lot of layers and a lot of good flakiness. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the the butter. Yes. Uh, That uh, that whole... The whole biscuit scene was, uh, that was kind of a huge milestone for me in, in what this part of my career means to me. And hmm. uh, like I said, that when we shot that scene, it was a, a very momentous day for me. Again, I had all, all some of my closest co-workers and closest friends behind the cameras. And we were all, you know, at the ranch together. I believe it was season three. It was one of our better seasons, you know, more enjoyable seasons to work on. Hmm. And, of course, uh, Taylor Sheridan loves to make me swear on national television. <laughs> and it drives me insane. And I always try to get out of it. And then, of course, he'll say, Gator, what, uh, what does the script say? And I'll say it. And says it. That's how you make an effing biscuit. He goes, yeah, just read the script, buddy. <laughs> of course, I have to swear. I said, my relatives watch this show, man. <laughs> he goes, uh-huh, read the script, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> good good director instruction, no doubt. Yeah. That's very yeah. funny. Um, the secret is cold butter. Do you freeze yours, or is it from the straight from the refrigerator? You know, I, I wish I always had time to do it perfectly like that. In a perfect world, yes, freeze yes. butter. Yeah. But, um, you know... Part of the book and part of what I'm trying to, like, show everybody is you don't have to be uh, uh, a court on blue or five-star Michelin star restaurant chain chef. Um, not everything has to be perfect all the time. There's there's beauty and in, in flaw, and in mm. cooking is, is, is the same. Yes. And, and the way we do things, the way that we have to do things to to accomplish what me and my team do for uh, Yellowstone and other uh, any other projects we do is we're we're not in a we're not in a restaurant we're not on flat ground we're not uh, in a building with air conditioning and a heater and you know good solid gas and electricity we're we're on the side of a mountain man yeah. so you you do what you have to do to get it done and if your butter's not frozen. Just figure it out. <laughs> Push that butter in the biscuits with your hand and cook the biscuits yeah. because it's gonna. We're gonna have a blizzard in two hours, so we gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> and and that is no doubt 
uh, TV food, quote unquote, but that's also very much real life, right? I mean, we're busy, it's crazy, we're home from school, we're, you know, all of those variables. And at the end of the day, it's about sitting down at that dining room table and breaking open the, the steam from that biscuit brushed with melted butter and rejoicing in the biscuit no, no matter how it came together. Uh, I love the history in the book. And by the way, if you just tuned in, you're late because Gator Gabe is here. Uh, Gator Gilbo, the chef, uh, on camera for our favorite TV series of all time, Yellowstone, of course, the real-life chef as well on the set. Uh, the official Dutton Ranch family cookbook is a three-time New York Times bestseller. And it's just chock full of glorious recipes and stories and everything you love about the show and more. Uh, You talk about in the book one particular recipe, Gator, that you've made with your dad for years and years. And it brings me back to my days in New Orleans. Um, You make butter roasted shrimp. They must be head on, right? They must be peel and eat as far as I'm concerned because it's all the succulents in between the shell and the, the... shrimp the meat itself that is the best part but a it's cast iron skillet it's the heads you it's suck the, the heads, heads that make yes well, they're the ones that release all the fat into the broth yeah which, um traditionally uh, it, you said you spent time in new orleans we used to go to a restaurant called pascal's Manali. yeah and it was my favorite restaurant in new orleans yeah and when you ordered at pascal, pascal Manali, it's a white tablecloth, very high-end restaurant. And when you ordered barbecue shrimp, they'd come and put a plastic bib around you. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd give you, bring you your shrimp, and they'd give you a whole loaf of French bread. Uh-huh. And, Just and the way it should be. Somebody was new, because yeah. they'd say, oh, is this for us to share? And you'd say, uh, no, no, that's my loaf. Right, that's, that's, that's mine. i eating that whole loaf of bread. Thank you. I could very <laughs> happily sit in front of a cast-iron skillet of barbecue shrimp. I'll tell you every day and and go out of this world that might be my last meal dish what would your last meal dish be would it be barbecue shrimp something that i can't even have anymore unless i figure out how to make it okay and, uh, what is grandmother it? my grandmother uh used to make something called meatball stew and I'm, I'm in the works of trying to figure out how to make it yeah I've gotten, I don't have a, a, a recipe, unfortunately, but I've gotten plenty of tips um, from my my relatives, uh, my aunts and uncles, yeah. about how to actually execute this. So I'm working on it, but my grandmother used to make this meatball stew, and it was... Unbelievable. It, it was unbelievably yeah. good. I see another it, cookbook it, in your future. We're working on another one right now. We're, uh, we're working with our publisher, coming up with the concept, and... How cool. I think we are going to come out with a uh, another book here real soon. Good for you. And I think I'll really get into um, a little bit more complex stuff and a little more, you know, specifics into stuff that really means means a lot to me. Not that any of the recipes in the Yellowstone book are very special to me. No, but your style, your... Uh, maybe a little, your roots. maybe a little less, maybe a little less structured. Ah, I like that style. Yeah, exactly, because that's what you do <laughs> when you're out on a ranch. Um, Montana as a backdrop 
has no doubt inspired cowboy food in your repertoire. It's not just Cajun. And like the glazed venison meatballs. I happen to love venison. Um, Those look absolutely luscious. The garlic butter steak bites. I want to make that for dinner tonight. This is all Montana-inspired, right? Montana's been a huge influence in my life. And being... The access to ingredients up there is astonishing. Hmm. And you would think being somewhere so remote or, you know, somewhere way up in the, in the north like that, you'd be very limited to what you could get. But and you're it's not. just not the case. It's, I mean, some of the best produce I've ever seen anywhere. Hmm. Um, is it homegrown? Of course. Is it homegrown? Yeah, there's a bunch yeah. of, there's a ton of, um, of permaculture farms up there in the Bitterroot Valley where we film. How cool. Uh, it's an extremely fertile climate there, and we're at a lower elevation than the rest of Montana. Huh. So we, we have a really fertile soil there, and everything grows so well in the summer and spring. Wow. Uh, so there's several farms out there that produce some amazing stuff. And then, of course, uh, locally raised beef yes. uh, and pigs and yeah. Cow. Uh, I get fresh chicken oh. that uh, has never been refrigerated. It oh. comes straight from the butcher to me. Oh my uh, gosh! Which is really impressive. And then, of course, uh, the 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 creme de la creme, the coup de gras, the, the, the icing on the cake is are the game meat. And we For have sure. we have so much good game up there, and everybody hunts. Right. So meh. Many, more than once in my life, I've said, what am I going to do with all this elk backstrap? They're like, hey, I'm going to bring you uh, this venison backstrap and this elk backstrap tomorrow. Mm. Do you want it? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Obviously, I want the backstrap, dude. Yeah. And they're mm. like, do you want, like, the roast, too? And I was like, dude, bring me whatever you want to bring. I'll cook it all. Bring it on. Uh, so it's been really, uh, it was really my first time I got to really... Uh, experiment with game meat a lot because it just wasn't in my life before too often. Three-time New York Times bestseller. you got to see it. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Don't go away. Dishing with Gabriel Gator Gilbo. I understand hamburger mac casserole is life changing. Well, for Beth it was. She made dinner. I, I made dinner. Three of the most surprising words to come from yeah. Beth's mouth, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but your smoke pulled pork is um, infamous, I would like to call it. I understand that it is part of. I, I don't know, it's woven into you, right? I mean, people expect you to walk in uh, with smoked pulled pork everywhere you go, or at least they're highly anticipating and hopeful for it. Or any sort of meat 
they're usually satisfied. Right. Um, we do do a lot of pork. It's a, it's a great way to feed a lot of people. Yeah. It's, uh, pork is very forgiving uh, to somebody that may have a lot of distractions, like I do, Yeah. to where, you know, if it goes 20 minutes too long, you're pretty good. Or if it needs to go another half hour, you're pretty good. You're probably better, and right. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, grace there on cooking pork roast. And it's, yeah. it's something that uh, helps me get through the years. And, yeah. and, boy, I can make a good smoke pulled pork. Yeah. And, of course, we no do, um, because I'm cooking for so many people, and I really like to do my best to source uh, sustainably and locally, as opposed to going to a restaurant depot and buying two cases of pork butts, um, we end up doing a lot of whole things when mm. we cook on the show. Yum. And, um, you know, honestly, I think I like that even more than cooking a pork roast. Really? Okay, so so give us the... I just didn't want to, bur- I didn't want to burden any of my readers. <laughs> no, but... To go buy a whole pig. Give but... us the gist of it. So is it over live fire? Is there smoke? What are you basting with? Because that, you know, whole pig recipe might not be a grand home cook's aspiration, it, but it can be tweaked and adjusted to a smaller cut. It would be a, it would be a great second book idea. Yes, it would. I agree. You know, that, I agree. That's the one that is really going to, stuff like that's what will come out in that book is stuff that, okay, this one's an expert level, yep. you know, yep. or, you know, get get a 24 pack of beer because you're going to need them for this right. one, whatever, <laughs> it, whatever it is. Right. Uh, so uh, I've done, I've done the pigs a lot of different ways. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you, when you have the access and, and the means to do this often it's really it's really fun to experiment and try things different ways but um, I always smoke my pig over um, in a reverse low smoker I have several big barbecue pits that are on trailers yeah and um, as far as wood goes being a traveling cook like I am you, you learn to not get picky you and learn to get use what you get what you can get yeah but uh, apple like down here Applewood is the best. Applewood is really good, and we're up in Montana. I actually have uh, some people from Washington that have a couple orchards. They'll bring me all their trim off their trees in the fall, and then they'll send a big truck full of Applewood to the the ranch in Montana. And That's where I source a lot of my wood when we're up there. And for the most part, simpler is better. you know, a nice, simple barbecue rub with a little sugar, lots of black pepper, yeah. kosher salt. Yeah. And um, I'll usually baste my pigs uh, throughout the cooking process. And what I'll do is I'll melt a bunch of butter uh-huh. and uh, pick my local favorite beer. Okay. And get some fresh, uh, some big branches of fresh herbs, which, again, Montana, I have access to it. When I, when I, get, when I order rosemary from the farm, it comes in a tree branch. It's not. It's not that little thing you buy in a little plastic box. Right. Of rock. course. How fabulous! It's, it's, a, it's a whole branch. Right. So it's it as a, it's a basting it as a brush or a broom. It's, <laughs> it's a, a basting, basting broom. Brush. Yes. It is fabulous. And uh, so I'll I'll base my meat throughout the night with beer and butter and herbs. Uh, you can follow Gator Gabe, the much beloved uh, on TV character 
inspired by the real-life chef that he is, on set for Yellowstone, the fan-favorite character on the show, at on social media, Gator Gabe, Gator Gabe, and you can find his hot sauce linked as well. And then, of course, uh, you should pour yourself a whiskey, get ready for a wild ride, as he says, through the food of the Dutton Ranch and Yellowstone, everyone's favorite TV show. It is perfect for... Every Yellowstone fan, it is chock full of recipes. It is the Yellowstone official Dutton Ranch family cookbook, three-time New York Times bestseller, available on Amazon and everywhere great cookbooks are sold, of course. And you too can recreate the recipes with Yellowstone. Uh, They're for every skill set. There's beautiful photographs of the cast and the Montana landscape strewn throughout And um, I'll tell you, there might be nothing better than a viewing party cooked from Gabe's uh, or Gator's cookbook, that is. So, Gator, I love the story and I love your success. I'm thrilled for you. And I can't wait to taste the hot sauce. Um, Thank you for sharing your passion and gracing this show. Jamie, thanks so much for having me on today. Thank everybody for listening. Yeah, Uh, of course. I appreciate it. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. At least I hope you thought so, of course. Every weekend, it is my goal to heat up your radio with grand guests, chefs, tips, and everything you need, arming you with everything you need to make your dishes come alive with flavor. So let's celebrate 2024 in delicious style, shall we? I'll meet you here next weekend where there's lots more fabulous food, but allow me to leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. Uh, The beginning of this hour, in case you missed it, I uh, hopefully waxed poetic on the brilliance and beauty of bacon, making your own homemade bacon, why you should be saving your bacon grease, why bacon makes everything better. And so this is a recipe I've never shared on the radio. It's actually from uh, my second or third cookbook. I have the... um, lovely privilege of writing cookbooks with my mom. And in Good Food for Good Times 2, I shared a bacon caramel sauce. I mean, how could bacon and caramel combine not be delicious, right? It's smooth and creamy and it's salty and sweet. And there's just something beautiful about it drizzled over toasted pound cake or grilled bananas or uh, two big scoops of ice cream. You make a homemade caramel from scratch and you use the grease from the bacon as part of your fat uh, along with the crisped bacon that you stir in at the end and it is decadent. I am posting the recipe now on social at Chef Jamie Gwen, my bacon caramel sauce. Please steal it. I thank you again for listening and for allowing me to share my passion Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I hope you continue to eat well.